of the 2017 season and this is Artificial Turf Wars episode number 77 where the sweet release of death never comes or perhaps it does because we don't have to talk about the Toronto Blue Chase in 2017 but one more time which isn't so bad at all oh my goodness uh, this guy did fall in on them didn't it Josh? Uh, yeah it did <laughs> a long time ago in fact <laughs> probably around about the first week and they just never got up from underneath it I don't know how that happened uh, yeah it, it got... turned out it wasn't early <laughs> yeah it, it was never early unbelievably I, I don't <laughs> it was know. always just a harbinger of things to come <laughs> oh my goodness uh, so we have lots to talk about though still because this is you know uh, a baseball team that we can't get enough of totally <laughs> Uh, we have, of course, the Blue Jays not finishing in last, which I think might be the season highlight overall. Uh, what else have we got? We got Bautista doing what we thought was going to happen, which is having his option decline. Um, Josh Donaldson talking about wanting to stick around. John Gibbons talking about Devin Travis in a rather, uh, I guess, depressing way. Uh, there was a whole conversation with uh ross atkins today on on sportsnet on the fan i believe um getting into sort of off-season plans already uh then we had the team mvp awards voted on that was pretty funny um <laughs> for one reason only but we'll get into that we have your questions we have two baseball do-overs uh both with very very good players uh in very very weird contexts but shall we begin with with finishing not in last place Suck it, Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all year long we've been waiting to tell somebody to suck it, and it turns out it's the Orioles, and it's on the very last day of the season. <laughs> oh, that was just that was pretty funny. I mean, the Jays were in last for 161 straight games, and they get out of it on the last day of the season. <laughs> for that to happen, Baltimore had to lose 10 of their last 12 games and their final five. <laughs> yeah, the Blue Jays, someone, was, uh, I think the road guy on Twitter was keeping a stat of number of times, first of all, that the Blue Jays had had an opportunity to get above or get to 500 and failing. And I believe they went 0 and 8 or something like that. Then they went on that losing streak. So then he started tracking opportunities to get out of last. The Jays were 0 and 18 at opportunities to get out of last place when the destiny was in their own hands. And they finished the Ooh. season 1 and 19. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is so basically it's like this Jays Orioles thing was like the you know the, it's perfect a 30th anniversary of the 1987 Blue Jays but like the ugly version <laughs> the bottom end of whatever was <laughs> happening there oh I don't even know if we know what was happening there that was just insane uh, and and this was a team that never ever ever had it I don't know what it was but they never had it it 
it's actually kind of remarkable that they never took the ball and ran with it for more than what was it even two weeks in may that you could say they were on their game yeah i think they played well in may i mean it's it's hard to suggest that they didn't overall they had a good month but that's it yeah that was enough to again get them right to near 500 and they ran out of gas they got injured and then it's nice to blame it all on the injuries but if you look at the games where they had everybody other than aaron sanchez as a member of the starting rotation they didn't play any better they didn't win a lot no no I mean, the team just did not play well as a whole really i mean there's only a couple exceptions but yeah they just they were not good so i can't remember seeing that particular thing go wrong with the team in a long time I've seen play teams that could obviously pitch and couldn't hit. We saw a couple of teams that that that, that was 2007, 2008 was those was where the talent was tilted. Uh, and then around about 2010, 2011, the team could very obviously hit dingers and and produce runs. Couldn't pitch. <laughs> yeah, um, it was consistently yeah. one thing was good or, or the other, and if, never both bad, but never both good until really. No, ever. <laughs> I mean, even 2015 or 16, it wasn't like that. No. And then, ah, there you go. 76 and 86. Am I correct on that? You are correct. Hmm. Here's the good news. Uh, the division is still absolutely bonkers, and who knows what's going to happen next year. Obviously, the Yankees are going to be better because they have young players who are unlikely to take a step back due to, you know, aging problems, though you, you never know with injuries and that. I I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think Aaron Judge is going to do this again, right? I mean, there's a lot of room to step backwards for their guys that had these career seasons, like Luis Severino. Just because you're young doesn't mean you can't regress. It's like what happened with Moogie Betts this year. He was amazing last year. He was still quite good this year, but he couldn't reach that level again. So I can see the Yankees actually going backwards next year. Fair. If if the Yankees don't continue to add talent where they need to add talent, and that's... Right, of course. Yeah, they have deep pockets. Anyway, the division is crazy. Uh, the Red Sox have, on multiple occasions, like I like to make fun of Matt Corey and his fandom all the time, gone from last to first and last to first and first to last. So where did the, where did the Red Sox end up again this year? First. First. <laughs> because why not? Uh, the Twins lost 100 games last year. And what are they doing right now? They're trying to survive a wild card game. By the way, so just quick interlude. It's like the third inning. It is the third inning is recording this. It's five to four. Nobody can get anybody out. How did these teams make it to the postseason? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we're also recording this at midnight because it's the third inning. <laughs> That's about how fast <laughs> this team is going. I don't know what happened, but yeah, not only can they not get anybody out, they're taking their sweet time at not getting anybody out either. It's it's strange, uh, yet still exciting. I'm not complaining. It's just weird no it's just weird exactly <laughs> um and every every hard fly ball in yankee stadium as we are as we knew before as american league east fans but now know for sure is, is a guaranteed home run that's how it works right yeah all the porches <laughs> shortened up <laughs> just for the postseason oh uh, okay so any other postmortems on any particular players you would like to think about right now um, I mean, I can't think of anything specific that is worth mentioning beyond what we're we're already going to talk about. Um, I guess, oh, well, one thing that we don't have on our list I want to mention. So Osuna came out and said, hey, my over-reliance on the cutter was probably a bad thing. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> Why did that take all season? I think there are some pitchers who like to tinker during the season. 
and I think there are some who who despite the results feel like they would get in I don't know do they feel like they would get into endless tinkering and and never be able to bear down and focus on on what they're doing I'm not sure I just I feel like there's some pitchers who are like well it's getting me through and I'll I'll take some time in spring training to work through it I don't want to work through it right here when there's a game on the line meanwhile the game's on the line it's not working out yeah I mean I don't really I mean I'm not saying that's wrong but if that's the way you're thinking that's kind of a flaw as a character as a, as a professional player i mean you have to be able to adjust when something you're doing clearly ain't working <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like it wasn't working yeah strange very strange that again still no word of an injury but we watched that now the velocity i i wasn't watching too closely but he, he didn't keep tapering off at least no. so you know maybe maybe a little bit of rest uh will do him some good although his fu's Fatigue units, for those of you who haven't been listening to the podcast all year, uh, still remain ridiculously high for a reliever. Yep. Okay. We've talked about Jose Bautista a lot, so we won't talk about him a whole lot, I don't think, here, but he obviously deserves one more mention because officially his contract with the Blue Jays has been terminated by them not picking up the team option for 2018 in a move that we all saw coming. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was the writing was on the wall <laughs> pretty much as soon as the contract was signed. I mean, he, no matter how he played, there was really no chance this option was going to get picked up. But then he went out and had a truly awful season. I and mean, he, by baseball reference, war he was at minus one point seven, set the franchise record for strikeouts and the lowest batting average by a qualified player. He just he looks done. So it always was going to happen, but it's still noteworthy that it has. I think. Yeah, yeah, we this, you know, this reframes the conversation so that you you can talk about okay, what is Jose Bautista going to do and where is he going to try and get work or is he trying to get work? Not oh, what will the Blue Jays do with Jose Bautista? It just formally moves it that way. Uh not a big piece of news, but I feel like we would be remiss if we did not note that on the podcast. I don't know why. Yeah, just, just maybe. It was interesting to see Atkins actually say that, though. It's like, yeah, we can't really see a way he's on this team next year. It's obvious to pretty much everybody, I think. But to have someone actually say that is pretty rare, I think. Yeah, I think that's part of the PR campaign. And I'm not saying it's a dishonest PR campaign, but it's part of the PR campaign for this team to insist that there are no there's no room for anybody who's not making the team more competitive. There's no victory lap or anything else like that uh, coming for, you know, or veteran presence or whatever. That's not what they need. And they, they want pe- they want the fans who are about to run from this team because that's what happens when teams only have a couple years of success. Um, they want them to know they're going to try and compete for a playoff spot again. Right. And... That's kind of the right tack, though, right? I mean, it, and also just on this topic, I mean, I guess we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but, you know, this wanting to compete for playoff spot again, again, Atkins' press conference saying, like, we want an impact bat and an impact arm. They didn't say anything like that last year. No. And uh, also him describing this season as a crushing disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was speaking for everyone on that, everyone on that one, but... But, you know, last year's like, yeah, you know, we'd like to maybe try to add a couple outfielders and, you know, get some pitching depth. And this sounds like we want to add an impact bat and an impact arm. And that's good, right? 
Yeah, I mean, if if uh, you're interested in in 2018 specifically as a fan, and and personally, I'm not. Like, if they do end up making the playoffs, obviously, I'm going to be watching. But if they were to tell me right now, look, the stars are not aligned for 2018. We're, we're going to be throwing good money after bat. We're going to try and, you know, field a team that has a shot next year in, in a, you know, in a long shot chance on a bit of a budget because we need we need to open things up for some of our, you know, prospects slash salary slash potential, whatever, for 2019. I could live with that. But I'm going to be here no matter what, right? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm on a Blue Jays podcast. I write for a Blue Jays website. Go figure. I don't really... <laughs> my engagement is not I'm not the guy they're trying to keep around yeah I mean I, I I'm obviously not either but I'm still happy about it like I still I think this team can win because of all the weird things that we went bad that we talked about at the top of this podcast and I've gotten a taste of winning and I don't want to go back to the other thing <laughs> which would be not winning <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's not fun. It's it's not it's not in you know intriguing baseball, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, uh, when you kind of suck and you're kind of hoping for some three way tie from some other team so you can play in a playing game. That's that's crap. And we just want to win it out. Uh, so one of those bats that they're trying to keep, obviously next year it's going to be here. But Josh Donaldson came right out and said. I have talked to management that I want to stay. Now, did Edwin Encarnacion not... Now, he publicly said that he wanted to stay. Did he go to management last year and tell them up front that he wanted to stay? I don't know. I don't remember hearing or reading anything about that. But in the end, it seems very clear that he did want to stay. I mean, despite the fact that he left, that was more bungling on the everybody's but Encarnacion's. I mean, it's more the Kinzer and Atkins, really. Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't seem like that was a, you know, a disingenuous statement like for Raptors fans, like, you know, Tracy McGrady back in the day. Oh, yeah, I'll consider it. <laughs> you know, they wanted to stick around. But the money didn't work. So I guess that's the same cautionary tale. But at the same time, it's nice to have the guy come out and publicly say, yeah, I told these guys, let's see if we can do this. Yeah, because at this point, you're not hearing the, oh, well, if I don't hear a word by date X, then I'm going to do Y, or, you know, I won't talk about it during this period of time, or right? Because that's sometimes that's the first thing you hear from a player. If it's not done by this. Yeah, if it's not done by day X, I'm not talking about it until, who knows. Um, And that, that sets up more of sort of an adversarial thing going on, I think, or the perception of one. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I, I just, I, I, on another note too, just when it regards to with regards to Donaldson specifically, I, and compared to Encarnacion, Encarnacion was the guy that was made, like he became a star here. He was mm-hmm. already pretty good, but he became a star here. So people, I, I, rightly or wrongly, probably expected some level of I want to stay here, and, and you know I have loyalty here. Josh Donaldson was a star elsewhere, and the Jays traded for him. Mm-hmm. And to have him speak this way as, it, you know, like, I like it here. I want to stay here is not really something I think we're used to as Blue Jays fans or Toronto in general. We tend to think of people, oh, they'll leave if we don't overpay. I don't really think that's the case here. I don't think it's the case as much as it used to be. Since the Jays did put a winning team on the field for two years in a row and we watched, as an example, we watched Marcus Stroman, uh, not Marcus Stroman, we watched um, Marco Estrada come back at what is 
a reasonable rate, right? Marco could probably have tried his chances and gotten an extra year somewhere else or gotten an extra couple million dollars somewhere else, right? But he's clearly very comfortable here and he clearly likes the people here. Yeah. Yeah, I think you you hit that on the head too, like this idea that the team has won. I don't think it's ever been the Jays are a team people don't want to play for. It's just the Jays sucked. Yeah. (laughs) No, they don't. Well, this year they did, but there's talent there now. Yeah, when A.J. Burnett goes and leaves, uh, dropped out of his contract here because he's going to go play for the Yankees, uh, it's because the Yankees are going to go to the playoffs, right? That's his, in the latter part of his career, that's what he wants a shot at. Now, uh, does he want that every year? Is that is that his priority every single time? No, but th- that was his one best shot. So that's why he went. I don't think it had much to do with, oh, the Blue Jays suck, other than the uniforms at the time. Yeah, exactly. Now, getting on to other reasons that they might want an impact bat and an impact uh, arm is uh, John Gibbons talking about Devin Travis. Yeah, this was depressing to hear. Uh, Just to paraphrase, essentially, that he was told that the doctors don't think Travis will ever be able to stay fully healthy. They may just have to deal with the pain and essentially they can't count on him to get past this which is really bad yeah how how do you pencil in a guy into your lineup every day knowing that he has what what to outside observers looks like a a freak injury or like a trick knee or it it just how do you do it yeah I, i don't really have an answer to that question but they have to come up with an answer like do you put devin travis on the bench you know and and try and find someone to play every day and, and again Troy Tulowitzki's been on the DL I was reading an article about him I think he was on the DL 27 or 37 times when he was in Colorado for one thing or another yeah I, it's this is a tough question to answer basically because you can't go into the season with Brian Goins and Darwin Barney as your other options at second base we've talked about this before it just doesn't work But at the same time, to get someone who's going to be good enough, you probably have to say, hey, you can be the starter. Well, yeah. But you don't want to just bench Devin Travis. So the sort of talk has basically been, why not try Devin Travis in left field then? He's a better hitter than the guys I've got out there when he's going right. And if he does go down, which it sounds like he's expected to, there's much better depth there than there was in the middle infield. Right. Because you, you can find a lot of corner outfielders, and the Jays have some younger corner outfielders who might be controllable. <laughs> to, <laughs> that's to not allowed. Them. Yeah, no, really? Uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, kind of unusual that you might actually have a player who you could move around and not have to worry about him getting DFA'd all the time. Not sure why that kept happening to the Jays this year, but they seem to leave themselves a little short-changed in that department. Yeah. Well, so it's nice to see at least potentially an attempt to switch this. That will be an interesting thing to watch because, I mean, that that might involve a couple of moves to kind of get get things sorted out as to what they want to do. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's not going to be a simple off season. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really envy Shapiro and Atkins at this point. Yeah, I mean, at least this time, it's very clear what they need and it's also more things i mean that sounds like a a weird thing 
right? But last year it's like we needed an outfielder and then like a really good outfielder and there's only one good outfielder out there. You know, it's like <laughs> this year it's like they have a bunch of needs and there's a bunch of decent players out there that can fill those needs and I think that gives them a more flexible and creative way to attack it. As opposed to last year it's like we need Dexter Fowler if we don't get him. Ah. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, okay, let's talk about the team MVP vote because this one's got got the obvious answer with the players were allowed to vote on their own team MVP. I believe there was what, 38 votes or 40 votes, something like that. Uh, 40. And they voted, 40. And they voted for okay. Justin Smoke. 38 of them did, which was nice. Ooh. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but I mean, um, but, but one person voted for Marcus Stroman. I'm presuming that was not Marcus Stroman. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you look strictly by wins above replacement, Marcus Stroman was the team MVP pretty much by any measure. Uh, those 200 innings of very, very low ERA ball made him the team MVP. But Justice Smoke came out of nowhere, and I think a lot of guys liked what Smoke did and, and his contribution. Uh, and then one person voted for Kendris Morales. And I, I think that was Kendris <laughs> Morales. <laughs> what? You didn't, didn't know that? that. You did no, not know that Kendris Morales. One. Wow, breaking news for Josh. Yes. One of the forty people voted for Kendris Morales. Wow. <laughs> that, that's pretty funny. <laughs> It'd be really funny if it was him too. He's just like, eh, I gotta get recognized somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but the same thing happened with the team rookie of the year. Did you see that one? No. It was unanimous minus one for Danny Barnes, and then one vote for Richard Urania. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give Richard the benefit of the doubt and say he didn't understand the ballot. <laughs> Someone wasn't nice enough to explain it to him. He saw his name and he went, "Oh yeah, that's me." <laughs> Handed it back in. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness <laughs> how, how many days was Richard Urania on the roster like he was on for all of September that's it so 30 days and he's basically over the last 10 days of the season he sat so that Goins and Barney could play wow wow it's like the Hall of Fame vote you just you don't want it to be unanimous that's that's not right <laughs> oh my goodness Oh, all right. Well, what else do I have on the agenda here before we move on? Okay, I, I, I we'll take a quick pause and we'll come back with your question. So. We have ended the season, but we have not ended our quest to answer your questions. And as a result, you have obliged us. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Yes, we've got a, a good handful of them. Hmm. I do like a good handful of questions. Colleen Evans, this? six. Our good friend of the podcast and patron asks, what do you predict for Jose Bautista in 2018? Which MLB team, which position? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say the Tampa Bay Rays and part-time designated hitter. 
first baseman for the San Diego Padres. No. No, they got Will Myers there. They're not doing that. Uh, who? Ooh, would he be a veteran presence on the Marlins? Because he does live in Florida. Don't they all live in Florida? <laughs> well, he's from Florida. He didn't just move there. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got Ichiro, so they got that covered too. So I don't know. I think Tampa's still the bet. Um, I'll, the only other team I'm going to go with, uh, just for no reason, is Atlanta because they're in total chaos right now with apparently <laughs> firing a GM that nobody likes. So they might accidentally sign Jose, not realize what they've done, and make him play right field for another season. Uh, yeah. If if he's at a major league team at all, who knows? Really, this this may be the end for him. Uh, Eli Watzer at Pop of the Glove asks, does Leon repeat his success next season? A 1.05 whip and 20% K minus walk look mighty nice. So uh, for those of us who are not stat heads, why is he using K minus walk? K minus walk rate. It's so it basically it's just the, the number of times that you create the out yourself versus giving up a base runner yourself, taking outside of you know, fielding and all the batting average balls and play luck. So he strikes out. You know, it's like it was like twenty percent, I think it was, or fifteen. Yeah, I can't remember 20. what the question said. So it'd be like he he would strike out twenty five percent and walk five percent. That's a twenty percent K minus walk, right? Correct. There's actually twenty nine and eight point two. So I just pulled up the stats. But so that's exactly it. So basically, it's determining the rate at which you create the outs all on your own. So does he do it again? Okay, the simple answer is no, because he's a relief pitcher, and that's the safest bet at all times. Uh, yeah, but barring Mariano Rivera, the answer to did he can he repeat is no. Right. That said, he has done it before. Not quite this good, but with the Mariners in 2014, he was pretty darn close. And the skills are there, right? He's got the big fastball, and he's got a good breaking ball. He does have a bit of a propensity to give up you know some hard hit extra base hits when he leaves the ball over the plate but if i were going to bet on whether he's going to be good again i'd say yes so there's a little you know a little blabbering but yes <laughs> <laughs> it took josh 45 seconds to say yes it's like this ball game yes What's, but no <laughs> or no but yes <laughs> uh are you do you still have it up where you can see the score this baseball game that's going on right now this wild card of a game i do what's the score seven to four <laughs> yankees in the fourth yeah aaron judge has hit a two-run homer the most predictable home run ever by the way Natch. it's aaron judge it's pretty much home run day uh moving on to our next question from brian so now what i did not know we would be getting existential this early into the off season but here we are <laughs> Uh, now what? Now I think we we watch the playoffs with, for me, just give thanks that you can have some kind of distance from the thing that's happening on the field and yet still be interested. Because maybe you won't get to do that again for a while. We, we hope you won't. It can be quite heart-pounding to watch your team for 10 or 11 games Uh <clears throat> try and survive for the very last time, which is what the Jays were doing last year at this time. So I'm all good with with a sort of a, a low-key playoff run for somebody else. Yeah, it's funny you use the give thanks when Thanksgiving is this coming weekend, but 
I actually noticed this effect the last couple of years. I used to love watching the baseball postseason. Every year I'd watch it. I didn't watch the World Series the last two years. <laughs> I, I watched Game 7 of the Cubs-Cleveland Series last year just because, you know, it was pretty cool. It's Game 7, and it actually turned out to be an awesome game. But in general, I just didn't want to watch. I didn't care because the Jays had been knocked out. But now I can actually enjoy it again. Yeah, yeah, you can have that broad view, right? You're not so narrowly focused. So not the best way of getting there, but hey. Take it, because here it is. And then after that, I don't know what. So we'll we'll deal with that when the time comes. <laughs> uh, Luke, at Split Letters, who says JBats forever now in his Twitter handle, who are you pulling for this postseason? You and I had this chat uh, because we were looking for guests, and we ended up going a different direction. But uh, we had this chat, and I, I believe, as my uh, Western Ontario friends are, you are purple and proud this offseason. Yes, but I don't think the Rockies are going to get past very far. So I'm rooting for the Rockies 100%. But if they don't go very far, I want the Nats to win it. I will be bleeding Dodger blue uh, because money talks. <laughs> well, that's great sentiment. <laughs> I have not had the privilege of cheering for the richest team as a, as a Toronto fan that was ever going to do anything even if i were a hockey fan and the leafs were the richest team in hockey i still couldn't follow them very far since well the year the baseball strike or the year before the baseball strike so really what are my options here so this is i'm seizing my my opportunity carpe diem uh money talks okay dodgers all right you want to read me a question sure so this one comes from Quinn Sweetser at Bobachet. Why would the Twins start Santana and the Yanks start Severino with former Cy Young winners Bartolo Colon and CC Sabathia available? Well, I mean, obviously Quinn was on to something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how exactly he knew, but clearly uh, the decision to start Severino and Santana was misguided as neither of them recorded a strikeout and both of them were gone before the end of the second inning. Yeah, it was <laughs> they probably probably would have been more entertaining. At least those other two guys started. Oh, <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah, this game's just taking forever. Uh, this one comes from Dylan Cochran at Dale Cock. When I'm missing the Blue Jays in two months, what classic game should I try to watch pre 2015 postseason? Um, what classic game? Uh, should we talk about postseason games specifically? Oh, that's interesting. I, that, sure. So, what is the the craziest one? I, I think versus Atlanta is the catch in game four with Devon White. That was game three. Game three. That'd be a fun one. Game three of the nineteen ninety two World Series. Just to pick one out of a hat. Well, if you're going for the craziest one, it's oh, got to yeah. be game four of the 1993 World Series, right? In Philadelphia, in yeah. the rain. 15-14, where... yeah. with the coming back from down six runs twice, or five runs twice. That game had everything except good baseball in it. Yeah, pretty much. Or as um, Dave Stewart say, that's a beautiful ball game, man. <laughs> Watch for Todd Stottlemyre to ruin his chin. Yeah, but if we're going to pick a recent game, 
like a regular season recent game, I would say either the David Price first start for the Jays. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Or the September series against the Yankees. That one where Brett Cecil came in with the guys on the David Price start again and struck out to the side of the bases loaded. That was amazing. Um, we could also go for the final home game of the 2015 season. Was that Josh Donaldson's walk-off home run? Yes, it was. Yeah, so there's another fun one. Keep you on the edge of your seat, except by you, you, happily you already know how that one's going to turn out. <laughs> oh, and Lou Brown, 34, Josh, asks, do you ever cry thinking about how, how Edwin is gone? And it, then admits... He does. No. <laughs> no, me, me either. I'm, I have a little tear when I think about Roy Halladay finishing his career in the playoffs with a different team. That's the only player I'm just, I'm just kind of gutted about. But yeah, the rest, I'm okay. I'm okay with the rest. Because that's baseball, man. Players yeah, and also go. the Jays sucked. You know, it's like Edwin wouldn't have changed that. No. No, you, you sub out Kendris Morales and put Edwin in there and, and they maybe they win three more games. Doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one player does not a playoff team make. We have do-overs. Okay. Do, do you want to hear our, uh, our do-over music? Does that seem like an appropriate time? Sure. Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But... What I really meant was... Okay. Um, I, it's it's hard to know which one to start with because they're both so much fun. <laughs> Big dealer's choice. So, uh, good news. Willie Mays is going to get some recognition. Bad news. It's in the form of the World Series MVP award. <laughs> <laughs> this came up the other day movie communications on the 60th anniversary 63rd anniversary of that catch from 1954 the very, arguably the most famous catch of all time and they let me say the- if there was a defensive player of the world series award i would name it for willie mays <laughs> yeah but as a hitter as a player he hit in his world series career 239 with a 308 on base and a 282 slugging he was legitimately bad in the World Series. Well, they were going to name it the Dave Winsfield World Series Award, but someone <laughs> someone got outvoted. Yeah. Oh, man. Or Kelly Gruber. <laughs> Over Why 22. would you not name this the Reggie Jackson Award? It just makes so much sense, right? <laughs> like, I get that you want to honor Willie Mays, but if you, it just... The guy's name is Mr. October. He, right. Obviously, he's your guy. <laughs> Even if he's... Oh, whatever. Or, or Mickey Mantle, who I believe has the most the record for the most World Series home runs. Sure. And, the, you know, or David Ortiz, if you really want to just jump the, the shark and, and go with a guy who actually hit well in the World Series every time. You'd be more sure. appropriate to call it the Pat Borders Award. <laughs> <laughs> it would be too. <laughs> what the heck? Oh, just silly. Uh, yeah. Good effort. We love Willie. Don't get me wrong, but this is not where to highlight his talents because he made a very memorable catch. It doesn't make any sense. Nope. Uh, so the do-over would be would be I think to come back and uh, announce that that was a typo. 
uh, that that in fact you just misspelled Reggie Jackson, and uh, <laughs> and get the award. You know, the little black printed up again, and we're all good to go to the races. No, no harm, no foul, as it were. So that brings us to number two. Giancarlo Stanton, who, now let me say this, regardless of what I'm about to say about Giancarlo Stanton, if the Blue Jays traded for him tomorrow to be their right fielder for forever and ever because the Marlins are doing a big teardown, I would not complain. As a matter of fact, I think that's the do-over. If you come to Toronto, we won't ever make you talk about this again. But what are we talking about, really? So we're talking about RBIs again. (laughs) (laughs) And the value of stats. Giancarlo Stanton, when asked, when I guess someone said to him that RBIs were an obsolete stat, his quote was, the guys arguing are probably the ones who have never seen a pitch. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) I hate this answer so much. This is the the newest version of David Price's Save It Nerds from a few years back. (laughs) It's like, okay, I, I get that you get paid in arbitration based on what your agent says about RBIs and I get you've been counting them since Little League I get that but in all that time did you never notice that if you had a lot of good guys batting in front of you who were on base all the time you seemed to have a better season in your own evaluation than you did if you had kind of a crappy team around you and you were the only guy who knew how to hit didn't like how do you not notice that trend as a hitter over 15 to 20 years of playing organized not professional but organized baseball yeah exactly and i think that this is where the disconnect comes in these people here like rbis it's like are they're not a useful statistic and players like you know driving in runs is what matters that's how you win games it's like that's not what we're saying we're saying that an rbi does not tell me how good you were that's all it's saying. It's not predictive for anything. It just says there were runners on base when you happened to come to the plate. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about how many runs your team scored, I will 100% agree with you that that is a really important stat. Not which players yeah. scored them, nor which... And You know, this argument isn't made for runs anymore, right? That used to be on the, the back of the baseball card. Hits, runs, RBI, doubles, triples, homers, right? Mm-hmm. And runs were important, man. He scored 100 runs this year. He had a really good season. And somewhere that fell by the wayside without too much argument. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess because you're not a run producer. There's no nickname associated with a run scorer. That was never a thing, right? Yeah. So now we're left with run production, which happens to a whole lineup, not one guy. <laughs> exactly. The, the only RBIs I'm going to give you credit for are the 59 Giancarlo <laughs> times that you drove yourself in. <laughs> right. And we can look at the rest of your stats and say, hey, you had a really damn good season overall. You were a great, great player. But it's not because of your RBIs. Do you know who finished second on the Blue Jays in RBIs? Ryan Goins. <laughs> no, it was not Ryan Goins. <laughs> Kendris Morales. You know why? Because he batted fourth all year behind Justin Smoke, who happened to be really good. <laughs> That explains the MVP vote all of a sudden. That's right. <laughs> Smoke couldn't vote for himself. Look at the RBIs. Saw that Kendrick was second and gave it to him. So there's your do-over. Come to Toronto. Don't have to all right, mention, I like it. mention that. Yeah, at all. All right. So uh, this would normally be in final thought territory, but we have a little bit of time. So I'm going to give you some 
some weird things about this season that I got from a couple different places uh, and see if you can if you knew these things about the 2017 season okay. so uh, there was a user on reddit Mike CWS 91 to whom I give proper credit or attempt to give proper credit uh, there were two players who did something really remarkable with three true outcomes which is walks strikeouts and home runs as you know uh, this season, can you can you name the two players? Okay, well, Joey Gallo is definitely one. Yes. And hmm, so last year, I don't know if he did it again, but uh, the the Padres had the guy. Oh, I can't even remember his name. Ryan Schimpf was up there. No, nope. I don't no. know if he was around long enough this year to do it though. Buck and Pat would be so mad at you right now. <laughs> okay, well then it's gonna be Aaron Judge, right? Yes. Okay. So uh, the all time. TTO percentage is held by Joey Gallo this year. 58.6% of his plate appearances resulted in one of the three true outcomes, which is ahead of 2007 Jack Cust and then ahead of Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge came to the plate this year and 387 times, which ties Mark McGuire's record, he had uh, one of the three true outcomes. 127 walks, 208 strikeouts, and 52 home runs. So what was that as his percentage? Uh, sorry, he didn't give me the percentage in his lovely breakdown. I believe it's like, oh, 57.1. Okay, so Ryan Schimpf was 56.3%. Close! He just didn't last the whole season this year. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. 387 times where the defense could have sat in the dugout for one guy this year. That's pretty crazy. It is indeed. Uh, going on about things where the defense wasn't involved, there, are, how many players do you think this season, and that used to be a mark of a good player, finished with more walks than strikeouts? Oh, was it just? Oh, this was like qualified players, I assume. Yes, right? yes, we're talking about people who qualify for the batting title. I don't know. Was it three or four? Three. Yeah, I remember reading this stat. Rizzo. 91 to 90, Trout, 94 to 90, and Votto, 134 walks and only 83 Ks. He had a season for the ages. He's playing a different sport. He's not quite Barry Bonds yet, but he is doing something that no one else is doing. And you're right, so playing a different sport in that sense. He's led the National League in on base percentage six times. 454 this year. And he also hit 36 bombs. So there was no trading power for anything. It was just, he just, just awesome. <laughs> it was just really, really good. He called this season his piece de resistance in the, his closing that. presser. I like that. <laughs> <clears throat> now, we have talked for years and years and years about the death of the complete game. And I think we've, we've decided, you know, complete games are not coming back. Because complete games appear to be a bad idea from the pitching side of things. Um, but there, there is... One odd thing that happened this year that's never, ever happened in Major League history that may indeed be the, the death of the complete game. What do you think it is? I have no idea what that could be. This is the first season in Major League history where there were zero games where both pitchers had a complete game. Wow. That's from that's, High Heat Stats. That's interesting. Isn't it? 
You, you know the complete game loss has been rare for a while, but nobody hung in there for a 2-1 or one nothing or anything. Never. Yeah, I'm trying to find this stat just quickly. I don't know if this is bad audio, but there was a... Someone tweeted this out. I, it might have even been Rob Silver. I don't remember who it was. And it was like the percentage of innings thrown by starters f- fell by like 14% this year over the last few years. Woof. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's an insane drop. And that and part of it is just because I think a lot of people got hurt and the offense was through the roof, so people just couldn't go as long. But also I think it's a real shift in the way that people are approaching the game and you know the usage of the bullpen. Yeah. They're just the the mystique of, of going all nine innings is is so not there with the managers and those are that's the important person right it's the man it it doesn't matter whether the fans like complete games or the pitchers of bulldog or whatever else if the manager knows he's got a guy who throws 99 miles an hour and can break off a slider that will destroy this guy why is he leaving a starter in for a third turn or a fourth turn against the lineup Right. So I found it. It was I actually had the stat wrong. This was Justin Mason from uh, Dallas Fort Worth, but it was the number of pitchers in MLB that reached the qualified innings threshold. So in 2013 there were 81, 2014 88, 2015 78, 2016 73, this year 58. One team had five five pitchers reach the 150 inning plateau this year and I don't remember which team it was and that was the other one I was going to clip for this podcast and <laughs> forgot to go find one team. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And the Blue Jays actually at least got a complete game this year. They got they had none last year. Stroman's the bulldog, right? Yeah, he threw two. And lost one of them. He was yes, he, he he was yeah, almost that unicorn uh thing where he was the losing pitcher, but the other guy obviously didn't didn't get to the complete game stat. Alrighty, those are the weird baseball statistics that I thought sort of stood out for me in 2017 as, as people go over their year end. It, it was a strange year. We didn't even talk about home runs. Yeah, because there was, just, there was too much talking about them. We didn't need to. Exactly. Do you, sir, have a final thought? I do. So the 2018-17 Blue Jays did break a team record. Do you know which one it is? Their offense. Um, hmm. Now, this is broken in the bad way. Of course, yes. Uh, fewest triples. They broke a major league record, exactly. <laughs> With five. There's a pitcher somewhere in the National League who had four this year. Yeah, Luis Perdomo for the Padres <laughs> has four triples. The Blue Jays as a team had five. That's hey, but, crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this team is so slow. <laughs> Hey, one of those triples was smoke. I know. And one of them was Steve Pierce. <laughs> GM Chrysler. Uh yeah. We're we're never gonna live this this slow team down, I don't think. I think it's it's gonna live for a long time in our memories as the team that just made it into uh first on a double. Yeah, they they, they really do a good job turning their doubles into singles. Exactly. All right. Uh, as it were, all of that trivia counts as my final thought. And if you don't like it, well, then that's how it is. Uh, I feel like there was a piece of housekeeping I was supposed to do. Oh, yes. We are going to do sort of an awards roundup next week. We're going to try and see if Nick Dyka is available. And uh, we're going to go through our big winners on this team that was kind of 
loserish. But anyway, individually, I'm sure we found some winners. If you have suggestions for a category that we might want to uh, come up with some nominees and, and vote on, please let us know on the Twitter. Uh, we are always available at TurfPod. Uh, we always enjoy your suggestions and questions. And that said, we are reaching the end of the program. So you have been Josh Housem at Joshua Housem. I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. And this has been episode number 77 of Artificial Turf Wars. And we'll talk at you next week. Life I love is making music with my friends. And I can't wait to get on the road again. On the road again. Going places that I've never been. Seeing things that I may never see again. I can't wait to get on the road again. On the road again.